And so I think it kind of goes back to like what we're talking about when it comes to preaching and teaching, you might feel this burden or pressure to be dynamic or have a unique take on something or, you know, have a clever something one liner that's tweetable. When in reality, you think like, I want to play the long game. And I want to love my kids in 30 years and 40 years. I want my wife to love me. I want to love my wife. Like, and I think to play the long game, um, we as preachers have to develop the character side, have to develop the heart side, um, have to maybe take, you know, even like emphasize less of, you know, what is preaching, how to preach. Some of these things that are beautiful, we need to study, we need to know. But I think just emphasizing just our own spiritual walk and join the Lord. Because uh, I think, again, that will that will make it real. That'll make it sincere. I think that's where you see like the favor of God just kind of rests on people when it's, you know, just genuine. Well, hi, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 178. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and thank you so much for listening. Well, the voice that you just heard is that of Pastor Josiah Graves. Um, He's a pastor of the Exchange Church in Deerfield Beach in South Florida. And in this conversation, we, we kind of move beyond the, uh, the tips and the tricks, uh, the life hacks about preaching. And uh, Josiah really focuses on the important issues of the character and the heart and the rhythms of the life of the preacher beyond just the act of sermon prep and uh, delivering the sermon. So we think all of that's important, and I'm really thankful to have not only the ins and outs and nuts and bolts of sermon prep, but also from time to time to be addressed and to be encouraged about the character of us as preachers ourselves. So I know that you're going to enjoy this episode. Um, You're going to be invited at the end Uh, by Nick Cady to our in-person training event, which is taking place in Colorado in September. Uh, Do stick around for that, and I would love to see you there in person. All right, here's this conversation, and I hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's Word. Well, hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm here with uh, Josiah Graves from the Exchange Church. Uh, hey, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on the Expositors Collective Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I think I said Expositors Collective Podcast two times in one sentence. So <laughs> I just want to make sure people know what they're listening to, you know. <laughs> um, hey, so Josiah, I, like, I'm just, I'm just going to dive straight into it. Um, the very first question I think kind of gives people a glimpse into your life and your story. So can you just tell us like your first sermon that you ever preached? How did it go? What was it like? Yeah, of course. So, no, I was actually in high school. My first sermon I preached, um, I grew up in Southern California. I went to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, went to the high school there. And um, during the summertime, a couple of my my friends, they had like this home Bible study. Um, so Ben Corson, Tyler Branch, a couple of these guys would would lead this, this Bible study at, at John Corson's house. And so all summer long, I was going there, like loved it, really enjoyed it. I think it might have been like, I forget, my, my junior year, maybe going into my junior year. So I was like 16. Uh, they took a break from the Bible study. And I was like really sad. I was like, oh, I love this. So uh, I talked to Ben about it. And I said, hey, can I do um, this study, invite some people to uh, another friend of ours house? So we went to this house, like in the Newport Coast area, beautiful house, beautiful location. 
And man, I remember just being terrified. I mean, I'm 16. This is, I can't even call mm-hmm. this a first sermon, you know? But for me, I feel like the gospel really just started to register around that time um, where I got really passionate about it. I was like, you know, kind of do my thing for a while when it comes to like, you know, going through the motions of the Christian walk, kind of in, but not really. I wanted to also kind of do my own thing. And then I remember hearing a sermon from, from John Corson on 2 Corinthians 5.21. He called it the great switcheroo. And uh, I remember how much that impacted me, man. Like that, that to me was the gospel. And it was so freeing, so clear. I've heard the gospel tens of thousands of times, but for whatever it was that day, I'm like, I'm all in. So it was like mm. going into that summer, I was just so passionate about it. They had these Bible studies. All I remember is they would like read a verse, tell some stories, give some comments, pray it out. And I didn't really know what I was doing. So kind of did the same thing. I remember I read a verse uh, told a story that I thought was great that wasn't uh-huh. probably that great, <laughs> and then uh, gave some commentary that probably wasn't the most biblical or exegetical, and uh, uh, you know, kind of forgot what I was going to say for maybe first five ten minutes, and it was a mess. Like it was truly a nightmare. Um, but everyone's very encouraging. Everyone's very, you know, nice about it. And I can't say from there I was hooked, but I think from there I was like, you know, got passionate about wanting to clearly explain the word like I heard, you know, that was more of the passion. Uh, Well, how many people were there? Was it all teenagers? And were they like sympathetic? It sounds like, or encouraging. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's probably like, you know, uh, juniors and seniors in high school, maybe 15 to 20 of them. You know, that, like, that's my first memory of preaching in the sense of, you know, 15, 20 people is not really like a, you know, a large gathering or anything. It's more of like a small group, but it, it was kind of treated like a preaching kind of like worship sure. and teaching, you know? Yeah. Um, so it yeah. was not like an interactive discussion. It was a, it was a monologue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we try to make it, you know, like, ha- you know, have food, hang out, worship. I just yeah. kind of try to copy what I saw. You know, I try to copy what I saw at Ben's house the, the last summer or two. Um, right. right. So probably started that way. Um, and then actually, I think the first time I really like preached was, right after I graduated, like, Hey, do you want to come back and do a chapel? And I'm like, why would you, and it didn't make sense to me. I'm like, I no, I don't know. And I remember getting up there and man, so it's probably, you know, in front of like, you know, former classmates in a sense, like they're just grade below me. And, um, I remember getting up there and I, I literally just said nothing. I tried to say, like, thank you for having me. And I think I just like got up there and said something in a different language and then prayed. Um, and so that was the second time. So it got even better. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, that's, (laughs) that's great. I'm excited. Like, here's what I really, my ears really perked up at when you were talking about how there was kind of like a bit of like a gospel awakening in your life that took place right before your first sermon. And Mm -hmm. that it was kind of based on a a teaching that you heard on, on Corinthians 521, 2 Corinthians 521. Uh, Yeah. 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 Tell tell us about that. That's exciting. This is not, I want to hear about that. Yeah, you know it's funny. So our our church is actually called the Exchange, and in many I ways, noticed that. yeah, I, noticed and, that. I was like, it, why did this church call the Great Scripture? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in many ways, it was to kind of go back to that. For us, it's just the gospel and a word. You know, obviously, you have Spurgeon, the Great Exchange, and for John, his the famous one to me was the Great Switcheroo. And so, you know, we're we're called the Exchange simply because when people ask, like, what is that? Like a moving company, and we're like, hey, you know, it's our church, but. It's what Jesus did for us in a word, you know, and, and honestly, this, the idea of like, uh, substitution was really profound to me at the, you know, not at the time, but still is, but it was very like revolutionary to me. You know, I've heard the gospel, but just the simplicity and yet the profoundness of the great exchange of the switch that happened, 
to me, it was so freeing because, you know, you do try to model what you see. And so I think like, you know, religion was something like, I'll try to do these things. I'll try to read. I'll try to pray. I'll try to be good. And it got exhausting. And then you kind of go the other way and you try to do your own thing and you just kind of want to have fun and sins there. And then when you hear the gospel of like just the great exchange that I didn't work for it, I didn't earn it. I didn't pay for it. Um, it was just so free. And I was like, does everyone know this? Like, I know this, but I don't think I've heard it like this. So it was based off second Corinthians five twenty one, even second Corinthians eight, nine, you know, um, God who is rich became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. And it was just so free. And it's like, wow, God, like you entered my poverty and I, I entered your wealth. I entered your salvation wealth, <laughs> your heavenly wealth. And it was just so freeing. Oh man, I, I, I love to hear that. And obviously yeah, it impacted for, for decades on afterwards. Well, I guess speaking of like kind of ongoing impact, um, the next kind of question is like, well, so like Josiah, have you kind of grown since then? Like you obviously are able to like open your mouth and say words now. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. Um, you've been able to say, thank you for having me. And it comes out in English, but like there's maybe moments in, in your like, let's say preaching career, if you want to use that kind of language or in the past 15 years of teaching and preaching, what have been times when you've like, you really have sensed like a, a change or a growth or, um, you know, by God's grace, have had like some progress in mm-hmm. your teaching and preaching? Yeah. You know, I think for so long, like every young preacher, you kind of imitate, right. And, and in some ways it's not bad. Like Paul does say, imitate me. And mm-hmm. I think there's something about, you know, wanting to imitate those you respect, those you admire. Um, you know, so I think for a while, I was just trying to find my voice, like a lot of people, you know, even still to this day, I think you can kind of get into these seasons where you, you kind of fall in love with a certain type of preacher or dynamic and, and maybe just through osmosis or just through listening a lot, to be honest, you kind of begin to share or preach like that. Yeah. Um, and so for a while, it's just, you know, you're trying to find that. Um, but I think like, as you pursue personally, as you pursue the heart of Jesus, as you really are trying to, um, you know, experience it like really trying to live it out before you preach it, it does, you do begin to find your voice. You do begin to make connections. You begin to think about it in such a way where it's like, it's starting to become your own. Um, I think, I, I think it's Martin Lloyd-Jones who said something to the effect of, you know, every preacher needs to begin a sermon, not at their desk, but on their knees. And I, that, I wrote that in the, the front cover of my Bible, something to that effect. And that just stuck with me of like, okay, like this is not so much about even the 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 act of preaching as much as like, I need to commune with God. I need to like, let this mess message register in my heart. Um, and then when it comes out, it just, it's clear, it's passionate. It's not like you have to check your notes every five seconds. It's like, cause it's almost like, you know, how Paul says to the Corinthians, like you're written on our hearts. You must feel like the message has been written on your heart or the people that you're preaching to is written on your heart. So it comes out a lot more clearly, smoothly um, because you genuinely care for the people. And I think what, what happens is you're trying to find your voice or maybe it's more about the act of preaching and teaching rather than it is like developing a passion and love for the people you're preaching to. Um, and the more you, we develop this love for the people we're preaching to, I think it, it just comes out um, a lot more smoothly and naturally. So somebody's listening to this and maybe they're thinking, well, you know, Josiah, I do love my people, but I, I can't help but checking my notes every five seconds mm. or, you know, well, I, I, I do, I do pray, I guess, before I, before I prep the sermon, but yet I'm not, I'm not able to speak with this kind of like passion and fervor that, that you have any, any, anything for that frustrated listener right now? Yeah. I mean, we all, we've all been there. We still go there. Um, yeah. 
you know, I, I really do think that, like, for, for me at least, I think everyone has to, again, find kind of their rhythm. Like, it, it is fun to learn how different people study, how different people maybe leave their PowerPoints or notes in their Bible. Like, it's cool to learn what, you know, oh, this person uses an iPad, this person's old school, they don't need notes. I don't know, it's kind of, like, cool to see that. But for me, I think what I found was, I do, I, I still do this somewhat. Like, I like to write out my sermon. Um, I like to pray through it as I do. Um, I like to, you know, sit, kind of sit with it and, like, look at something I wrote out and, and it's like, no, that's, that's not it, you know, and, and cross it out. But I think as I kind of like pray over each section that really has helped me kind of, I think the hard dynamic in preaching sometimes is like connecting one thought to the next. It's kind of being like bridge, like how do I go from here to here? And I think when you're praying through that, as you look at your notes, you go, Oh, this is the connection. This is how I can jump from this thought to this thought. And, and it almost seems seamless. Now it's not always like that, but I think some of the best preachers I've heard and probably you've heard are, are guys who are like, they lead you along this journey and you don't even know they're changing thoughts, but they, they probably, and Paul does it in his writing where like, he'll have like 11 verses, like one long sentence, one long thought. There's probably 20 points there, but yeah, there's like one point. Um, and I think you kind of see that in preaching sometimes is when there's like a seamless, you know, one thought to the next, cause there's one overarching theme or point they're trying to get across. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's beautiful. That's, that's really great to see. Yeah, and yeah, like the act of, I don't know, kind of yeah, pivoting from one thought to the next. It it is kind of a kind of a skill. It is something that you know takes some effort and some work into it. Um, you know, oftentimes, how many sermons have we heard where it's just like, and that's the end of verse one, and now <laughs> starting verse two. But yeah. but yeah, there's that you know flowing from the one to the next, and then or saying, and you know, but you you conclude your first point and you say, but you know that raises a question, doesn't it? And the question that we have about this is, well, what about this? Mm-hmm. Guys, look at the next verse. And you kind of are bringing people from one thing into the next and maybe not having to glance at the notes every single second because it's really clear to us. Mm-hmm. And so it's able, we're able to communicate that to others. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I don't know who said it. I've heard it from many different people. But yeah, a mist in the in the pulpit is a fog in the, few, in the pew. Mm-hmm. So if it's not crystal clear to us... Mm-hmm what it is we're saying, why we're saying it, why we're saying it in this order. If it's not clear to us, then we're really asking a lot of our hearers to, to just kind of make sense of it, you know? Yes. Just like giving a bunch of ingredients and say, hey, here, here you go. Just do something with it. Yes. No, I agree. You know, I really, I really agree with that. And again, I think just kind of learning from different people, even different denominations, like how do they do the active, like the act of preaching? Like how do they start? How do they begin? How do they, how do they, you know, kind of connect some points or thoughts and end? But, um, you know, cause I think early on for me, like I really enjoyed like a, so Tim Chaddock who did reality LA and did reality London. Uh, he was the guy I feel like that really showed me, he kind of gave two intros to every sermon. You know, there's kind of like an intro maybe before reading, here's where we're going. Here's some of the big thoughts today, or, or maybe it's even some small talk to maybe get comfortable and then like reading or maybe the, the passage. And then there was like the, the intro that was just captivate everyone. And I, I do like that. Cause I like that idea of like bringing context, like welcome you know, here's where we're at in the word today, or here's what we're going through. And, and almost like giving people some context who are maybe just there that first week, but then like, and you read the scripture and I, and I love the captivating intro that just brings you into the, the heart of what, whatever the author's point is, you know, just bring you into the heart of the passage. Um, so I, I think that two intro thing has helped me. I don't do it all this every time, but I do enjoy that. Cause I think like, again, I think we got to ask questions that, like what, what captivates my, like, what do I listen to? What do I like? And, um, I think, you know, it's almost like what I want to listen to myself and probably a lot of times not, 
But the idea is like, would I be captivated by this? Um, so the person who's coming in for the first time, do I have like different on-ramps for them where they can just kind of get into the message right away, even an untrained ear or just like a, a non-believing ear, they can hop right in and go, oh, I, I see where you're going with this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The term on-ramp is so, is so useful because people, you know, people have shown up to church or, or they've tuned into the, to the live stream or, or whatever, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're there and like the highlight of their week or the highlight of their morning is going to be paying attention to your sermon. And that's okay. Like, you know, we just got to realize that's just how it is, but we want to make it as easy as possible with as little barriers. Not that we water down the message. We certainly don't want to do that. But we do want to make it as like accessible. At least if people are going to reject the message, at least let them hear it in the first place by making mm-hmm. it easy for them to listen to. Mm-hmm. No, I, I so agree. I think I'm trying to remember if it's in Acts 14. I'm trying to remember the passage, but basically talking about we we got to make it easy for them to, to listen. Like we got to make it um, almost palpable. You know, like mm-hmm. sometimes I think we we try to use big words or we try to use like systematic theology terms or whatever it might be to try to like show people like we're, we're studied, we're learned. And I fall into that trap. Um, and just defining some things a little bit, just even maybe putting it up behind you so people can see like, what do you mean when we say theology, like what the heck are you talking about? Just kind of like, again, I think, you know, we want to have it, uh, you know, I guess where it can be all levels. So, I mean, you know, John Corson has this thing and I'm sure you've heard it. Maybe you talked about this podcast, but he has like every sermon should include milk, meat, manna. Uh, milk might be just the pure gospel of the word. It might be the simple things that newborn babe drinks, like a story, an analogy, something anyone can kind of be captivated with, but it's also gospel. You know, meat is maybe that substance, that depth, that, wow, that's a, you know, I just, I haven't seen it or looked at it that way. And then man, it might be that heavenly bread, right? So it's like that something sweet, something like you and the Lord have kind of, um, you process with him. And just maybe it's an insight that's like, just like, that's good. Like that's personal. That's, or that's even for my church, for my community. Um, now it's not like a perfect thing, but I do think like that milk, meat, mana idea has been somewhat helpful or a decent framework or one of many yeah. tools I think to approach when you, when it comes to preaching. Yeah, it's good. To, that Yeah, I, I love it. And, and it has been mentioned before, but uh, it, that was like a year plus. <laughs> so it's really good to have that because even to have some sort of um, rubric or, sorry, you just said to not use sophisticated words, um, some kind <laughs> no, of, a, of a grid, you know, mm-hmm. um, we don't want to just reduce everything to just some kind of a, of a formula. However, it's good to look at like your, your, printed out final draft and and say, hey, is there something in here that like a brand new Christian would get? Mm-hmm. Is there something that's a little bit more challenging? And then is there anything that comes out of like, you know, my living vital relationship with Jesus? Has any of that spilled onto here? And, and yes. so that's, it's a good thing. Maybe there's other, you know, quadrants that you could run it through, but I think that one's really helpful. It's very memorable. It's very, very good and useful. Yeah. And I, again, it's not even about like, we can't use certain words. I, I think it's just, we should define them, you know, right? Like I think if, <laughs> I hear people like, Oh, Paul had this eschatological mindset. Like, yeah, he did. Like, but can you, can you explain that? Can you just, can you say that or define it a little bit, whatever, you know, just, it's just nice to, and again, I, I can fall into that same trap. So I'm like, well, I defined it last month and I don't want to do it again, but we always got to be just aware of that, of that person coming in um, and just in any capacity, you know? Totally. Cause people are not like binge listening to our sermons. Yes. Like we are not as, as interesting as Netflix, you know, so we're not going to get binged. Um, 
I know. Maybe someone does. Maybe somebody is. <laughs> but, like, but yeah, just because you said something even last week doesn't mean people remember it. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it's it's useful to, to yeah, once something's been... Uh, what Somebody else said this. Um, he said, by the time that the preacher is sick and tired of saying something, mm-hmm. that's when most of the church has finally got it. Mm-hmm. So even to have, you know, a cheesy phrase or a vision statement or mm-hmm. the theme of the book, mm-hmm. it's got, it, you can't just unveil, mm-hmm. let's say the church's mission or vision or values in your annual uh, vision Sunday. It's got to yeah. come through all the time because just because you say it once doesn't mean people actually truly get it. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is something we try to do even with just leadership. Like my, my main, you know, we call them our ministry leads, but uh, you know, I might feel like I'm sick and tired of saying this to you, but again, like that might be, it might be the fourth or fifth time they're kind of getting like, Oh, I need to pass this information on to my team leads or, and I just think yeah. when it comes to preaching, teaching, same thing, like, cause I, I, I can live my own head. Like oh, I've said this before, I've heard this before. And yeah. really it's, it's probably most people's first time, you know, really listening to it. Um, and I think we got to kind of get out of our own heads. Yeah. And this is not just, and I hope no one listens to this and, and here's two elitists talking <laughs> back and forth about like our congregation. So they don't get it. Like, didn't you say at the very beginning, you heard the gospel 10,000 times oh. before it, it really landed on you. So oh, this man. is we're talking about human nature, inc- ourselves included first and foremost ourselves. Absolutely. I mean, there, and there's something about just like timing with maybe my heart wasn't ready for certain things. Maybe the Holy Spirit was just at work in a unique way. And, and just, I think when we pray, even coming to service with like this expectation, like God, even if they've heard this hundreds of thousands of times, let it be brand new to them. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like when, for me, when I read, um, prodigal God, like eight years ago, right. This book by Tim Keller on the prodigal sons. I mean, a story I've heard, you know, I don't know, countless amount of times, and obviously when you read through it, you're going, oh my gosh, I've never considered the elder brother in this way. Uh, you know, that he was a prodigal, that he also was using the father, that he also was manipulating. There you go. I mean, and it's now, now I can't read it any other way, even though like I always read, and even just like noticing how, it, you know, it's when the scribes and Pharisees complained, that's when he gave these parables. So the context really is to this. And, and I just think it's so refreshing, you know, because I've had people, you know, who've been following Jesus for 30, 40 years, kind of hear that, for example, and go, I've never heard that. And I'm like, first of all, I didn't discover it. That was someone else. But yes, like it's so beautiful when the word of God comes alive to you the the third hundredth time you've heard it. Um, And I think there's always, I think that's a a hope I want to have. Like, God, I don't care if I've taught through this book before. Like I have, like, what do you want to show me? What is it I missed? What is it my heart wasn't ready for? Um, Or my heart was in denial about? Oh man. Yeah. I appreciate it. And then also I'm just kind of thinking as well, like, yeah, I, I remember the first time I ever heard Tim Keller teach the, the story, you know, the, the, the prodigal sons, the, the, the mm-hmm. dif- distinction between the father, you know, the older and the brother, sorry, the older brother and the younger brother. And, um, I think you and I, we've, we've heard it loads of times, life changing. And then I, I'm going to guess the majority of people that listen to this podcast we're all kind of preaching nerds. We've probably heard it before. If not, there'll be a link in the show notes because you got to hear it. Um, however, here's the thing though. So that was like a paradigm shifting thing for me, like literally paradigm shifting. Um, and I, I, I'm not prone to hyperbole and I'm not using hyperbole that wow. And it, it's made such a big impact to me. And then I could even just, you know, use shorthand for this conversation. You can reference it and I get exactly what you mean. But also too, remember 
maybe there's people in my church and they haven't heard that yet. Um, and it's because like, I'm not talking about it because I assume, oh, everyone has, has had this changed. So there's kind of going back to the idea of like repetition. It's just that, yeah, we need to repeat the things that are important. And then the things that have been big enough to change our lives, we got to make sure that like they get in regular rotation, that this type of insight goes out regularly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about like finding that voice of yours. You kind of okay. had mentioned that at the beginning. You said you said you kind of borrowed from people or it's expected and there is a degree of imitation that's like appropriate. Um, how, how would you kind of, what would you say to your younger version of yourself that hadn't really discovered, you know, his own voice yet? What would you, what yeah. advice would you give? It's a great question. Um, Man, in, in some ways, it's like just rest, you know, rest, don't, don't stress, don't freak out over it. Um, I think the more, I, I don't know, again, I, I think we can all live in our own heads or, um, I don't know, we can, I can be my own, my worst critic, right? Like speaking of, of Keller, he wrote that little book called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, like a tiny little read. And that was one of those profound things. Like Paul's like, I don't let others judge me. I don't even judge myself, right? Like each man's judgment comes from God. And and I think there's like that little voice from others that can really kind of eat at you. And I think there's a difference between, and we can talk about feedback, you know, later, but um, not feedback, but just something that kind of either, you know, the idea of um, praise can go to your head and kind of criticism can go to your heart, right? And those two things, one can inflate me and one can deflate me. Um, one can really make me think I'm something I'm not. Um, you know, one of the best things actually, so this, I don't know if it's fully answering your question right now, but. Um, I, I preached a sermon, my, I was maybe 23, 24 at a summer camp. I was like a middle school and then high school pastor. So I might've been that transition period, but, um, you know, it's, it's awesome. Like, I feel like it's one of my, my best sermons. <laughs> that sounds weird, but like just went well and it was clear and it was, it was truly like, I felt it like it's convicting. I felt the Lord was in it and, you know, kids, you know, and I really do believe like committed their life. Even to this day, I still have some in my life that like really gave their life to the Lord and it was awesome. Right. And I remember the next day. Um, he wasn't our head pastor at the time, but he's now the head pastor uh, at Calvary Fort Lauderdale, Doug Souter. He pulled me aside and it's one of the best conversations. He, he pulls me aside and goes, listen, that was one of the best messages I've ever heard. And he's like, you need to preach that in the sanctuary at, at Fort Lauderdale if they ever let you. He's like, that was incredible. He goes, but that's not you. And you can't believe for a second that you get any of that praise from last night. And he's like, and I know that you want to believe that was you. And I don't know, it just like kind of like next five minutes just went off on me. <laughs> and like, and honestly, it was so good. Not even like, I didn't even feel like that got to my head. Like, I didn't even feel like it. I really felt, I truly at that time felt humbled by being a part of it. But then like hearing him just call me out and kind of walk me through that. That was so good. That was so necessary. I was, you know, there's a flesh of you that wants to be like, who are you to say this? But in reality, there's that little voice going, you know, he's right. Like, and he's like, your wife knows the real you. I know the real you. And don't, you know, you're not the sinless, you know, he just kind of went off and it was just so good. And wow. I don't know, whatever it was like that did stick with me. That was like, you know, really profound. And then it, there's another thing too. There was another pastor, actually Calvary Coast Mesa, his name's Craig Coffin. He was a pastor that I remember like at 18, he's like, whenever you get done preaching, just find a, a lone space, get away, thank the Lord for that privilege, ask him to forgive you for anything that might've just been said from the flesh, you know, like almost just like, get alone. Don't believe the, the criticism. Don't believe the praise, just you and the Lord. And so I feel like those couple of things have been so helpful, um, navigating that, this process of finding, of finding your voice, you know? Yeah, man. And, and what a gift to go back to the, to the Florida, um, camp experience. If it was in Florida, but yeah, like, I, I, yeah. Um, 
I, I haven't met that guy, but I've, I've heard really good things um, yes. about, uh, sorry, what was his name again? Doug Souther. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've heard really good things about him and his character. And oh, that's just one absolutely. more, one more great thing um, that, that like what, what wisdom, like, I don't know, like maybe there's a bit of swagger to your step the next day that he discerned or sure, maybe just a, yeah. Holy, a Holy Spirit thing or something. But yeah. that's, that, what a, what a wonderful gift that um, like, I don't know, kind of just aligned you properly uh, to, to experience, I guess, you know, um, I, I heard someone was talking about like musicians and he was saying that like, you know, failure will ruin a musician, but mm. not nearly as much as success will ruin a musician. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, Same as true not, creatures. <laughs> uh, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. maybe to catch you, um, as everyone's saying, you know, Josiah has slain his thousands, you know, or his <laughs> thousands. Um, that's really good and wise counsel that you received. And, and, you know, it's funny going back to that guy. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, still to this day leads out of character, leads out of integrity. He was that way 13 years ago when I met him, you know, and um, just very consistent, very faithful. And I think it's a great example. And, you know, just knowing, you know, very, I really appreciate him. They obviously sent us out to plant, you know, um, but you know, I, I think like we came out of a very dynamic culture, at least where, so I was on staff at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale for, um, not almost nine years, I think like eight and a half years, something like that. And, you know, we came out of very dynamic preaching It's all about the gifting, you know, I mean, there, people came to watch cause you know, it was very clever. It was just, you know, almost like a show. Right. And then Doug comes on and, and couldn't have been more different, but yet very captivating still in a different way. Like, there wasn't as much charisma or excitement, but it's like, you knew who he was, who his family was, his integrity, his character, the way he led was night and day different. And I think what, what people wanted to come was like, they wanted to be a part of something healthy. And, you know, it's cool because, um, you know, we've seen a lot of churches end um, over less matters than what we walked through. Um, And yet I think God has been so faithful because I think he just honors that character, that, that faithfulness, um, and so I think it kind of goes back to like what we're talking about when it comes to preaching and teaching, you might feel this burden or pressure to be dynamic or have a unique take on something or, you know, have a clever something, one liner that's tweetable. When in reality, you think like, I want to play the long game and I want to love my kids in 30 years and 40 years. I want my wife to love me. I want to love my wife. Like, and I think to play the long game, um, we as preachers have to develop the character side, have to develop the heart side, um, have to maybe take, you know, even like emphasize less of, you know, what is preaching, how to preach, some of these things that are beautiful, we need to study, we need to know. But I think just emphasizing just our own spiritual walk, enjoying the Lord. Because uh, I think, again, that will that will make it real. That'll make it sincere. I think that's where you see like the favor of God just kind of rests on people when it's, you know, just genuine. Um, and I, I, you know, and sometimes when you have like a preaching class, let's say, or, or maybe even you have like a cohort or something you're walking through, you know, it's kind of like talked about like character and integrity, but um you know, we'll first, first kind of get to like a Martin Lloyd-Jones preaching and preachers or Keller's book on preaching. And we'll go through that and it's beautiful and it's awesome. But, you know, you must want to spend some time on like the, the preacher before the preaching or spend some time on Jesus before the act of preaching itself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's valuable. Yeah. The, the, the character, I was going to say the character piece or the character contribution, but I think we know that character is more than just one bit of the preacher's toolbox. We need to have our homiletics. We need to have our cultural observations. We need to have our rhyming alliteration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to have good character. Um, but I, I think I think you agree that character is core and central and these other things are useful, but the character yeah. is, we got to lead the way with our character. 
yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, look at, I mean, just we live in a very like, um, you know, it's obviously I think social media and that kind of presence will only grow stronger and in so many different avenues. And, you know, when someone falls, it, it feels like they fall harder, you know? Um, and so I feel like characters re- rarely celebrated or like, you know, just even someone who passes away and you're like, wow, they did it well for 50 years, you know? And I, th- I think we celebrate a lot of times the wrong things. I was like, have you heard this person? Like, you know, and that's not a bad question, but like, have you heard so-and-so they're great. They're just, they're killing it versus like, man, have you, have you spent time with so-and-so who's, you know, 80 years old and truly been faithful and his, his kids, his grandkids love the Lord. And like, I just value, we need to start valuing the things that truly matter. Um, but you know, I don't know. That's just, it, it takes focus. It's hard. It's hard not to get caught up in that. It's hard not to get caught up in the newest thing. Um, but how do we get caught up in like, things that will, you know, stay with us, character things, integrity things. Um, yeah, it's kind of a lost art. Absolutely. I got to spend time <clears throat> with a guy and, um, you know, he's, he's a good preacher. doesn't, not, I don't want to name drop, but uh, you know, got to eat dinner with him and his family. And I was just like, I was, I was like, you know what? Like he really loves his wife and mm. his kids really, really like respect him. Wow. And there's this, like, I was just like, this is really great. To, 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 to see behind the curtain and obviously there's a guest in the house. So I'm sure everyone's sure. kind of on their best if you're, you know, a little <laughs> bit, but there's, there's certain like levels of like trust and, you know, and we held hands. It was pre COVID. We, we held hands yeah. and sang and sang a hymn before dinner, wow. you know, like oh kind of like borderline cheesy. <laughs> but, but wonderful. <laughs> and, and again, you could tell the kids weren't like, dad, why do we have to do this? Oh, oh, there's a guest. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. This is just what they did. It's just what they did. Whoa. It was really, really wonderful. So I have a lot of repenting to do right now because usually my, when a guest is over, my kids are like, this is my friend. They're here for me, not you, dad. You know, and it's, yeah, I need to, I have some things to work on. Uh, sure. Well, before you do that, can you tell us about your, like your weekly sermon prep rhythm? So you're in like two Corinthians right now, or sorry, I say you're in second Corinthians. Yes. Ireland, mm-hmm. two Corinthians, but America says so. I like it. Well, and yeah. I heard your last sermon. Your last sermon was on second Corinthians four, right? Uh, yeah, we just, that's the latest, that's the latest on the podcast feed anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We just finished the chapter. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe you heard, um, first one through six. I don't, I don't know, but yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, this year has been different for us. Not that you have to do this. I think everyone has to kind of find their thing, but just for us coming out of 2020, um, we kind of viewed this year as like this, the year of spiritual health, almost like that's what we've talked about as a church. So like we try to just emphasize that. Um, we're going over emotionally healthy leaders with some of our leaders. It's a, a book by Pete Scazzaro. Like we're just kind of going through some of these things. Um, we're doing emotionally healthy relationships as a church right now. We just, we're just starting that out right now in the month of June. Um, so we're trying to like focus on spiritual and emotional health. So we, we actually did do like the seven churches of revelation. We did, we did that just to kind of like, Hey, you know, this is Jesus speaking to the church. Uh, the good and the bad and the ugly, like all of it. Um, and then we did like a five week series on like, what is the church, you know, and now we're, we're walking through a, a book of the Bible verse by verse. Um, you know, we do like to mix it up in, in some ways, like almost like that prophetic, like what does our church right now need to hear? I mean, you, you know, this like, 2020 was weird. I don't know if, I mean, we're still going to be like kind of like walking with a limp from, from that for a while. Um, and man, like, you know, I've never seen even our own church, like we're a small church, maybe, 150 adults on, on the weekends, you know, and I look at their church and I go, man, there's so much, so much division over just to me, you know, just way secondary issues. Um, and so we're kind of looking at this, like, how do we detox some of that? How do we do relationships? Well, how do we do forgiveness? Well, so 
Um, we are approaching Second Corinthians kind of with that mindset of like a new way to live, a new way to do life, a new way to do relationships, like obviously kind of based off we're a new creation. So with that comes everything, new family, new dynamics, everything. So that's kind of how we want to approach, like, you know, for the person who's just walking in, they're like, why are they walking through, se- you know, two Corinthians? Why are they walking through that? I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> there you go. Thanks. Yeah. We, you know, we, like, we, we, we want to kind of answer that question. Like, why are you doing that? And so we're going, Hey, we're doing this because we want to, we know as followers of Jesus, there is a new way to do life. There's a new way to live. And there's so many books in the Bible that you could have done that with, but done this with, but we just felt like this would be a good fit for us in this season just praying through it, looking at it. So um, all of that to say, like, I think before we just kind of like, um, at least for us, before we just kind of jump into a random book, we're trying to say like, how does it fit our, our moment, our church, our culture, our needs? Um, and there's so many, I mean, I don't know if you can go wrong, obviously we could have preached through, you know, uh, Haggai or something and it would have fit in some way, but we just feel like this would have been a, a great, a gr- this has been a good book so far, honestly, for us as a community. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. And in, in the remaining like two and a half minutes, yes. How are you trying to improve? Like, how do you <laughs> how do you want to be a better preacher? Yeah, I mean, it's so funny. I don't know. It's when you say how do you want to improve? Like, obviously, there's it's way more than outside of preaching. You Good know, points. Like, I, I feel like um, even obviously this is the, if this is the question, like let's answer for those who are really interested in preaching. But at the same time, I, I feel like I I. Uh, Josiah as a follower of Jesus need to improve, you know, like, and I think if I, as a husband, as a dad, um, as a pat, if I can improve in these areas, it'll only, it'll only help my preaching. Mm-hmm. And I think that in some ways, um, I can emphasize the preaching more than like, again, the person <laughs> or the preacher. So, you know, right now we're trying to get back to some spiritual discipline stuff. I'm very thankful for the last few years, how I just feel like, um, not in just even one denomination, but I feel like I've seen it in like a a collective global level. I can't, maybe not global, but at least here in the States where you see this emphasis on spiritual formation. Um, so John Ortberg, Dallas Willard, some of these books, I feel like our church has been going back to, um, I think we realize we've been obsessing over, over things like are stealing our time, our energy, our money. They're just stealing everything away. So, um, you know, we've been trying to get to the, back to like the practices of engagement and the practices of disengagement. Um, and so without me just saying that, like, we're trying to say, how do we disengage silence, solitude, maybe prayer? Just how do we go on walks again? How do we go to the beach again? How do we just enjoy the Lord again? And then engagement, like I need to be in community, you know, and I, I need to be a part of my church body, not just say, Hey guys, you should be in a small group. So just trying to like engage in that way. Um, I feel like those things have just helped me as a preacher, even though it's not directly, you know, dealing with preaching. Um, so I think, I, again, I think we can kind of get the, the cart in front of the horse kind of a thing when it comes to preaching. Because um, we, we talked about this right before we started, but just, you know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 4 said, like, though you have 10,000 instructors, there's not many fathers among you. And my, my thing is, I think we do a really good job of, of, of creating teaching teachers, preachers, instructors, but are we creating, like, are we discipling or molding fathers? So how do, and I, again, I'm not a father in the, I can't claim that yet. You know, I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old, like, I don't, it's crazy to me. Like I would like to be a father. You are a father. You yeah, know? I'm a father, right? I, mean, I, 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 I hate to break it to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> are you sure? Yeah, yeah. No, I guess it can't. But I mean, you know, just like that, that yeah. kind of like that figure, right? That father figure where you're just like, wow, like they've been at it for 30, 40 years, just faithfully following Jesus. So I think we do live in a culture where we make really good preachers and teachers, but do we live in a culture where we, we're making really good future fathers? Um, wow. 
So though you have 10,000 instructors, we can go, you can get, and this is a great podcast. You can find hundreds like it, right? But do we have, are we developing a culture where we're trying to create fathers in the faith? And that's a challenge to me and our leaders. And like, am I that, am I modeling it? And am I creating an environment where we're building up future fathers in the faith? Yeah, so valuable. I mean, it all really comes back to what you were saying earlier on that like if if character truly is is core, in order for you to improve as a preacher, you want to be feeding into those character forming um, mm-hmm. aspects of your own life. Mm. So that's that's valuable. Well, Josiah, we we got to go. Um, thank you so much for for your time. I've I've loved getting to to speak to you and to to know you better. And uh, uh, yeah, once again, may the Lord bless you. I hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's word. All right, thanks. Amen, thank you. This is Nick Cady inviting you to the Expositors Collective training weekend coming up on September 17th and 18th in Colorado Springs, Colorado. This will be our first in-person gathering since the pandemic, and we are so excited to get together again for this 24-hour immersive experience, which will help you grow in your private study and your public proclamation of God's Word. We also have an option this time for you to join us online if you aren't able to come in person. This event is open to men and women ages 18 through 34, who want to grow in their ability to preach and teach the Bible. We'll have everything from outlining help to sermon prep resources. We'll be learning in small groups with hands-on application and help from seasoned Bible teachers. You don't want to miss it. September 17th and 18th in Colorado Springs. More information and registration is available on our website, expositorscollective.com. Hope to see you there.